Welcome to Short Course, episode 49, for February 15th, 2019. I'm your host, Ben Barry. Last week, we were talking about a club match that I shot the, the weekend before that, and I was going through stage by stage and talking about the, the lessons and what I took away from, from each one. And in order to have enough time to go into each one in detail, I actually have broken this up into two episodes. Nothing here is really that dependent on on last week. If you didn't hear last week, then you can listen to it whenever. Um, but we'll we'll jump right in and pick up where I left off last time, which is with stage two, which was my third stage of the day. And objectively, I think stage two was easily my best stage of the day, just in the sense that I shot it well, I shot it to plan, I didn't have any significant accuracy problems, any any hiccups, uh, really nothing interesting that really happened with my shooting of it. It wasn't a it, it wasn't the most challenging stage in in the sense of shot difficulty or distance, but it did involve some pretty choppy shooting and some hitting targets through fairly narrow windows. You had to hit hit spots pretty specifically to have a, a full alpha presentation on some targets. But it was it was another one of these fairly shallow bays, so not a lot of long shots, but a lot of hard cover and some some steel targets that definitely you you couldn't just blaze through full speed and. What, but what was interesting about the way the stage went is I shot it, and as I was going to unload and show clear, the timer got bumped, and it registered as a shot. I went off to go look at my targets while the, the range officer and the scorekeeper sorted it out, and I, I overheard the range officer call out a, a time that sounded about right, and it wasn't until I looked at the tablet later and I saw that they had actually entered the original time that the timer had shot. I guess the scorekeeper just never updated the time or didn't save the change. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, the, the time ended up being something 22-something instead of what I knew I'd shot it in, which was about 19. And so I just brought this up, brought it up to the, the folks on the squad, and they agreed that the time wasn't right and it was too far gone. To you know, the, We'd already shot the rest of the squad, and but we were actually waiting on the next stage. And so they said, well, why don't you just reshoot it? And I hesitated for a minute because certainly reshoots, I, I had a pretty good run. I didn't necessarily want to give it up. I, I didn't think I could really improve on it that much. And so I kind of just wanted the score that I'd earned. But I thought, okay, this is this is a challenge. This is a bit of a test. I can I can use this as a as well as, as a challenge and as a test. So I I just ran through the whole process again. I just started from zero, wiped the slate clean and just visualized the whole stage all the way through without trying to emphasize one particular area that I that I wanted to change or improve. I just I tried to visualize the whole thing through fairly quickly. I mean, I think between when they said, you know, do you want do you want to reshoot and when I was making ready was maybe two minutes. And so I didn't I didn't do a full speed run through of the whole thing, but just in my mind, just revisualizing everything that I'd seen and shot the stage the second time. And I think it it may have come out just ever so slightly better. I think I was I was a little bit smoother. I was a little bit less jerky, or certainly felt smoother when I was shooting it. Uh, the time was not significantly different, maybe a couple tenths faster. The hits were about the same. But it was just interesting to contemplate the fact that for a lot of people, a reshoot does feel like a, a, a disadvantage. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like an opportunity to either produce the same results again or to even have the opportunity to possibly slightly improve. And if I had to guess, that, that's largely because I think a lot of people regulate their speed just based on a, a feeling of, of speed and how, you know, kind of a, 
a gut feel of how much they need to throttle up or throttle down. And so you can, that's how sometimes people will be wildly different from one stage to the next. They'll shoot a stage out of control and then dial it back for the next stage and be kind of, kind of slow and sluggish and, and just ping pong between the two extremes. And ideally your process should be repeatable and consistent and, and give relatively the same results. A good stage run is not one where you feel like you're you just barely got out alive and just got lucky and you don't think you can do that again. You always want to be aiming. Even even for me, even the the level that I'm at, I'm I'm always looking for a stage run that I feel like is representative where I could do it five times in a row and get relatively the same score five times in a row. I, I don't want to be picking stage plans where yeah, most of the time it'll work out, but one out of five times it could go really wrong and just and just completely blow up on me. I, I I really want to avoid those where I can. And so if I see something like that in the stage plan, then I might adjust it to to reduce the level of risk for something like that. But the stage plan was not in any way risky like that. And it was just a matter of of visualizing through all the, the position entries and the target engagements and and where I needed to look as I came into each position, which engagement ordered it to go through that kind of stuff and just visualizing that all through and, and reproducing the same result. Uh, it, it was, it was a good confidence boost just to be able to do that, to say, especially with everything else that, that went on at this match, to be able to say there, there is some level of repeatability here. It's not all just, um, it's not all just luck and, and hooking up, uh, on each stage. So, uh, Fairly, fairly happy with that. Stage three, the next one, was probably, well, it was, it was one of the two more frustrating stages of the day because, well, for a couple reasons. The first is that when I, I, I took a little bit of a different stage plan where you started in the middle of the stage and most folks went to the back left and then the back right and then forward to the rest of the stage. And as they were going from the back left to the back right, there was one target available that you could also see standing from the start position. And I decided to just draw to it from the start position and then go all the way to the back left and then reload while moving aggressively to the back right instead of slowing down and taking the target on the move through the through the middle of the section. I thought being able to move aggressively through the middle instead of sort of slowing down and shooting that target on the move by shooting it leaving the start position. It, it, was, it wasn't fully on the move, but I had my feet moving when I shot it. Uh, it seemed like a it seemed like a better idea to me, or a, at least a wash that I would feel more confident with. I felt like there was less risk to it. Wouldn't you know it? I'm I drawn the gun, taking a step back, rolling through, and click. Got a got a light strike on the first shot. Well, luckily before I could really think about it, I just pulled the double again. It went off on the second time. It really would have been quite annoying if it hadn't gone off at all. But but it did go off. But that just kind of threw, started to throw the stage off. Again, it put me in that that mindset, kind of like stage one, where I felt, I felt a little bit rushed. I felt behind the curve. I felt I gotta, you know, not 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 shoot fast to catch up, but just off my game, more out of out of my rhythm. Like the the stage wasn't going exactly to plan. But shot those two shots, ran over to the left side where there were six steel. I ended up taking, and they were six full size poppers at mm, ten yards. They should have been pretty easy shots. I went. I think I got the first three one for one and then threw a couple misses and then got the last three, but it ended up, I ended up running to slide lock. So I shot, I shot six poppers and it took me nine rounds to do it, which is not a great ratio, especially on full size poppers at 10 yards. But at the time I, I wasn't really too worried about that because then I shot the rest of the stage and 
the end of the stage I thought was actually a, a really a really well done segment of the stage because you had uh, you sort of were coming to the point of a triangle and off to your right there were some targets hidden among some walls where you you maybe could see them if you if you took a, a full step you would that was the whole range in which you could see them so you couldn't move too fast through the area but you still had to cover the ground to get to the the, the point of the triangle to, to see the end of the stage and as you were moving through there were 14 shots available and so you kind of had to find somewhere in there to do a reload oh and by the way in the middle of this there was a, a swinger now it wasn't very far it was maybe seven yards maybe 10 not very far at all but the the order i ended up taking was as i was moving down this triangle i was shooting the the targets off to the right and then you could kind of see the see the swinger from the point of the triangle and then there were some more targets off to the right that you either had to back up around a wall to be able to see fully or kind of lean into this pvc wall and for whatever reason i just when i'm on the clock i i tend not to want to lean into walls which i think is generally a good instinct you don't want to to be trying to shoot and have your have your recoil going off to one side or the other because you're supporting the weight of your hands ideally i even even from idpa days where this is more of an option when you have more things to sort of rest your hands on or, or you're shooting around cover some more you you learn very early on to to keep the sort of upper triangle of your shoulders your arms your hands isolated just because that helps the gun to return where you're expecting it to and and just it's it, it very rarely helps you to have the interference of something pushing on your arms and very often it, it it's a negative but anyway so so my plan was coming down i would shoot these targets on the right and then catch the swinger and then reload sort of taking a step back instead of leaning into this pvc wall and kind of flexing it to get a better angle i just i was just going to take a step back which would take the swinger out of view but i would have a a a good presentation on the last six shots of the stage and the the planning error number one that i that i think i made was i planned to shoot that swinger and then step back and reload right afterward and it was in the middle of this sort of movement section and again i was feeling this mindset of sort of feeling out of my flow and, and feeling like i need to catch up and i transition over and as I'm transitioning to the swinger, I see that it's swinging away, but I still get a shot off on it. It swings back out. I get one more shot on, and then I go on with my plan, step back, do my reload, shoot the rest of the stage. And as I'm transitioning across to the last target, because I'm not leaning into this wall and I'm kind of shifting back and trying to work around it, I didn't transition as aggressively as I wanted. And I ended up transitioning across the no shoot and breaking the shot. I don't want to say early because my, you know, it felt like I was, I was aligned and I felt like I was seeing the target, but it, it ended up being about two inches inside the no shoot. So it was, it would have been a, a mic. I ended up seeing that. I, I felt the shot go early. I made it up and I, so I got the alpha, but, but I, I did still get the no shoot. And then walking down, looking at the, the swinger, the, the first shot that I'd fired on it as it was swinging away was, was just a complete off the paper miss. And so that was, um, that was a pretty frustrating score to take an out, a, a, a light strike and then a mic and a no shoot, which again, uh, if I can, if, if I could go back and do it differently, I think the, the, the failure that I made there was planning to shoot that swinger at a very specific time 
and not really giving myself a, a lot of, not, not programming in a pause so that if I got a bad presentation, I was just assuming that wherever it was in the swing, I would just track it. It wasn't that far away. I'd just shoot it fine. You know, and I just kind of took that for granted and that, that didn't work out. It bit me. And so in the future, if I'm looking at a, at a plan like that, where I'm planning to move into this position, shoot a swinger and then immediately leave, don't. It's interesting. I'm, I'm actually being reminded of what I was saying about how I was shooting at the end of last year where I was kind of going through the motions and shooting at the speed that I felt like I needed to shoot, but not necessarily letting the sight settle. Thinking about my movement in this scenario, actually, I think it, I think it's very similar to that. I, I moved at the speed and according to the plan that I'd pretty much planned and it bit me because I was, I was more following the plan than actually shooting the targets. I wasn't, I wasn't adjusting my plan as the uncertainty of the stage happened. I just, I just, I mean, I, I transitioned to that target. I really didn't have a strong call on, on whether I got the alpha. I mean, I think I remember seeing the shot break in the middle, but uh, when I go back and watch the video, it, it doesn't look like I'm really, it looks like I hit the, the dirt maybe a couple feet early of the target as I'm swinging over. It definitely wasn't a hit where, wherever the, wherever the shot went. I don't know. It's like maybe it was just shooting too much target focus or just trying to follow my plan instead of shooting the targets. But either way, it just, the the same thing happened transitioning across the no shoot is I I had these targets. They weren't that far away. I I felt like I should be able to shoot them at a, at a fairly comfortable speed. And when the, when I, when I wasn't transitioning as fast as I expected, because I was trying to maneuver around this wall instead of leaning into it. And I broke that shot early sort of before I had confirmed my sights, you know, more based on the, the feeling of how far my arms had moved, I think that's what it was. Is it was it was almost a, a physical index, but because I was moving away from the target at the same time and and not confirming the sight picture moving across and then seeing the, the A zone and, and shooting two shots into it, but just kind of trying to transition across and break the shot as soon as I was in the target, because that that calculus got thrown off a little bit by the by the movement it ended up going into the no shoot. So that was, that was probably the most, the most frustrating error because both of those things were egregious problems on fairly close targets that, um, certainly that, that was one of those where if, if I could have gotten a reshoot on that stage, I, I could have done significantly better. I would have immediately learned from both of those things. It was just a matter of being in a slightly awkward position that I, that I hadn't been in before. And, that's that's just a learn a, a learning experience, and honestly, one of the reasons that I do feel lucky that that we have these challenging technical club matches near us. But that was, uh, yeah, that was that was frustrating. And stage four, I ended up so I got a like I talked about stage two went pretty well. I was pretty happy with that. I did end up getting the production stage win on that one. Stage four, I also ended up getting the production stage win on because nothing nothing went wrong per se, in the scoring. If you look at the scores, everything looked fine. But the, the two things that stuck out to me, one was just the fact that there was another array with a bunch of steel targets on this one, and I shot way too many makeups. In this particular case, it was eight targets. It was a mix of full-size poppers, some 12-inch knockdown plates, and some 6-inch knockdown plates. And it, there were eight targets, and I came into the position with 11 rounds in the gun, and, and I ended up shooting... I ended up shooting all of them. So I ended up running to, to slide lock there 
And in retrospect, you you may be starting to see a pattern emerging, but at the time it wasn't it wasn't quite clicking to me yet. But that was that was certainly a little bit alarming. I was I thought that was that was not the way I was hoping it would go. But eh, who cares? I shot it pretty quick. You know, I got out clean. I didn't end up leaving a plate standing or anything, and went to a a middle spot in the in the stage where I chose a plan that I think was it was not an unreasonably risky plan, but it did have one particular target that that posed a lot of danger. And it basically the the way the stage shook out, I was able to cut a position by taking a a tuxedo target through a port about, let's say, let's estimate that from the port to the target, it was probably eight yards, but then it was probably five yards from where I shot it to the port. So instead of being an eight yard tuxedo, it was more like a 13 yard tuxedo, something like that. And then it was maybe a six or eight inch wide port with no shoots on either side. So I certainly had the whole A zone, but the A zone was flanked by hardcover on either side. And then if I was really far beyond that, it was the no shoots on the walls. What's interesting about this is if you just look at the scores, it looks fine. I got two alphas on that target, no problem. But the the actual spot that the shots went on the target is, from a training perspective, extremely worrying in the sense that one of the two shots, I'm fairly sure it was it was the first shot, just because I was transitioning over to the to the target and overswung the transition a little bit. But the first shot was majority in the hardcover. It was, I would say, maybe a quarter in the A zone. And so, yeah, you know, scores is an A, but when you look at it, that was a very thin margin from being a, a very bad outcome on that target. And that that was I knew that that was the risky target. That was really really the only challenging target in the whole stage everything else you had at least half the target available you had the whole a zone on almost all the targets there was there was one target where you didn't have the full a zone but almost everything else you, you had a full a on with some c around it it was also probably the longest it was probably the longest linear shot in the in the match everything else was almost certainly closer or not the match the the stage but even though i knew that that was that was sort of the target that the stage pivoted on and I took my time if you watch the video you know I do let the sights settle on it but I'm just I was in I was in that hurry I I, I over swung to it I over transitioned and the, the first shot was closer to danger than I than I would have liked and to me the the two lessons there one is I, I really have got especially on targets like that I've really got to stop transitioning so aggressively let the sights settle a little bit more don't don't try and break the shot as soon as I think I'm calling alpha under the front sight. If it is, especially if it's a stage like this where it, it really is the the whole stage kind of pivots on this one target where this is the hardest shot in the stage. Don't try and rush that one. That's the most risk. So don't don't try and just push your way through it. Pick up your speed and and make your time on on the other targets. But on that one, if it's the risky target in the stage. Give it, give it the respect it, it deserves. And then secondly, just, you know, let the, let the sight settle a little bit more. Don't be trying to transition. I mean, it was probably at least a 60 degree transition from the previous target over to it. And so I was, I was probably driving the gun harder than I should have been. And, you know, it ended up working out all right, but from a, from a training perspective, it's certainly a red flag. And then stage five, which was probably the it was the frustrating counterpart to stage three. So stage five was a 29 round field course on the, the really big bay at this range, which is 
I think probably 50 yards deep and like 35 yards wide, which has this really interesting property of making targets seem like they're both further away and yet somehow closer at the same time. And this stage had a, a full plate rack at, I estimated it visually at 15 yards. People told me afterwards that they paced it off and got more like 18 or 20 yards, but it was a, it was a full plate rack at a healthy distance. And I came into it with, uh, there, there was that plate rack and then another target nearby that, that was an easy gimme. And so I reloaded into that position, shot the, the close paper target, and I had nine rounds to shoot the six plates of the plate rack. And I ended up only getting five plates of the plate rack with those nine rounds. And in retrospect, um, I'm fairly certain just sort of visually trying to remember what was happening. I was just shooting the whole darn thing target focus. You know, I remember seeing the sights, but but really them being blurry and not not settling them as as tightly as they should have been. And even winding the clock back to the last two stages where there were these large arrays of steel where I was taking nine rounds to shoot six or 11 rounds to shoot eight. I was thinking, yeah, most of those I was probably shooting target focus too. And so that's a, that's a takeaway. That's just something where I'm just out of practice. I, I've just, that, that's not something I, I practice a lot in, in my live fire practice. Not that I've been doing a lot of live fire practice either, but that's just something that's that's just gotten kind of rusty. So that's an early wake-up call. Okay, coming out of this match, steel target focus, especially 20-yard plate racks, not going to work. So make a make a stage planning change to, to work on that. I just have to remember to do it and, and plan to do it. And so that's a that's a change coming out of that. Uh, and then it, it, after all that happened, which I was already frustrated by, so, you know, I go to slide lock. I'm not going to do a standing reload to, to shoot at a one remaining 20-yard plate, so I just left it, took the miss. And run down to the the end of the stage and had another light strike. And this one wasn't like the one before. So it took the one before took a double action hit, which is usually lighter than the single. It took a double action hit, went off on the second double action hit. This one on this stage took a single action, didn't go off, and then took two more double action, click click, and it wasn't going off. So I had to rack it out of the gun. Which you know, I mean, at that point the, the stage was already kind of screwed. I had to miss. I'd taken a million years to shoot this plate rack and go to slide lock on it. So my time was already kind of out of the, out of the running, but getting another light strike after I thought that I had this problem fixed was, was just the, just the cherry on top, which I've kind of known that my press was running a little bit janky for a while. And, and I've been swapping out parts. I mean, it's a 650 that's got probably 50,000 rounds on it. And this is the first time I'm changing most of the major springs. Um, in particular, the, the primer punch spring was getting really weak. And, and I think that was, um, causing all kinds of issues where it was actually like inserting the primers early as the shell plate was rotating and all this all this other stuff. So um, one of the things that I'm doing this offseason is is giving that press some some overhauling and, and trying to replace all the major springs in it because it has just been running funny and not, you know, the, the, the shell plate isn't in the right spot to really seat the primers properly. And clearly that's led to this outcome. So really taking that seriously as well as a, as a sort of early season warning indicator. Yeah, just just trying to take that away and and fix that before the the South Carolina match or any any other matches coming up this year. And then the last stage of the day, so there was a there were, there was a speed shoot with a class fire on the last bay. The speed shoot ended up getting tossed out just because the the two drop turners on it were getting kind of caked with mud and becoming unreliable. Which I mean happens. It was a it was a pretty muddy match. Everything was kind of wet, so you know stuff happens. Our club match, we only got to shoot seven stages instead of eight, like, oh darn. It, you know, it's a first world problem, pretty hardcore. But the, the class fire was actually can you count? And I 
I take it as a as a sort of point of pride that they the matches at least the matches I shoot around here. I don't know if other match directors around here run them, but I, I've this is actually the first time in my history of USPSA shooting can you count? And I don't I don't know that the the classifier itself is the problem. I just dislike it because it is the it's the the easiest classifier in the book to set up, and it's also a crowd pleaser because people think more rounds is more fun, and having an excuse to to draw and go crazy is fun, and so people like to shoot it. Match directors like to shoot it, and unfortunately, the the high hit factor is completely bonkers, and so I don't think it actually helps people's classifications that much. But I don't know that the majority of USPSA shooters are that interested in raising their classification anyway. So maybe that's not a downside to them. I yeah, I don't know. But they'd set it up, and I, I mean, so I, I've never actually really tried to shoot flat out at a three-yard target before. I mean, in theory, I've, I've done some up-close shooting type stuff in, in practice, and if I wanted to, to do that, to me, practice would be the place. Yeah, okay, that can be fun. I can imagine just trying to draw as quick as you can and just mash the trigger as quick as you can, fine. But, you know, to me, that's, that's kind of what live fire is for. I went into this, you know, not having really practiced this kind of up-close hosing, but I knew, well, it's a draw. I don't really have to aim at three yards that much. It's a reload, and then it's a bunch more just pulling the trigger as fast as you can at four yards or whatever the, the target distances are. And I had been doing draws and reloads in my dry fire the week before, and so I felt fairly tuned up on those. And I ended up on, so, it, you know, it's two strings. On both strings, I had a, a reload, or I had a draw, that was somewhere in the neighborhood or slightly below one second. I was shooting 20 splits or less, and I had a, a reload that was just over a second, so like 1.05 kind of thing. Uh, both strings consistently, I think that the first string was 3.8 something, the second string was 3.7 something. So reasonably competitive times that I was fairly happy with. Now, as it happened on the first, on the first target of the first string, I shot six rounds instead of five, and so that racked up two procedurals, just completely blasting any chance of a, a decent classifier score out of the water. But when I go back and, and do the math, even without the the extra shot and the penalties for the extra shot, even doing, you know, basically a one-second draw, 20 splits, one-second reload, 20 splits on both strings pretty consistently, I only ended up with an 87% run, which, you know, I, I think I'm okay with that. For, for that kind of gun handling, I don't know that I'm that interested in really working up close, barely have any sight picture, just run it as fast as you can kind of gun, kind of gun handling. I'm just, you know, what I, I, I don't practice this stuff, but the fact that I was able to do that in a match and shoot at a level that I would call pretty satisfactory, even if according to the classification system, it's not GM level. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm okay with that. And yeah, if I, if I, don't ever see this classifier again. I mean, I don't hate it. Like, obviously, I can do okay at it. I'm not, it doesn't really bother me. But it just, it seems as a classifier, I just wonder, you know, what, like, what, what is the point? I, you know, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't mind if it went away. I don't, I'm not going to campaign against it or anything, but it just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. If you want to, if you want to pull the trigger as fast as you can, go set it up in live fire and practice it. But anyway. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and on Instagram at BSBarry. My email is podcast at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.